This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Cool. We are busy with a series called God's Burden Bearers. The moment when you hear the word burden, you think something negative. Is the sound all right? There at the back? Okay. And um, we've been looking at a lot of different characters. And um, starting with the statement that we did on the AMP camp, we will never change the world by going to church. We will only change the world by being the church. Okay? Church is not an event. It's not an, just an experience with God. It's the transformation of Christ and the Holy Spirit in your life and through your life. And so Jesus invited us, our key Scripture is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Burden is the task, the service, the will of God for your life. But God talks about this place with him, this yoking together with him, where you partner with God and he calls it rest. It's like what you have been created for. And Jesus says, come to me, bring the burdens that the world puts on you, that you put on yourself, bring those burdens, but I want to exchange. I want to give you another burden that is easy, that is light. And a lot of Christians today, they love Having a natural relationship with God, so God, if it doesn't rain, I'm going to pray and I'm going to trust you. God, if I need exam, breakthrough, then bring it on, Jesus, then I'm, then I'm going to acknowledge you. So God provides for them, they're going to heaven, but they never have this experience or this place with God where you can actually yoke together with Jesus. You're not doing things for him, you're not doing things to impress him, you're doing things with him. And this is what Jesus invited us to he says come and yoke together and the picture we saw is of this ox or in our terms Ben Jason and Ainu coming together pulling together and this big man you know on the one side humbling himself going lower which is Jesus to come and yoke with us God Almighty to say I want to work together with you I want you to know that place with God. And what an invitation it is. And so we looked at Amos, who was a prophet. We looked at Nehemiah. Amos had a heart for social justice and to turn people's hearts back to God. Nehemiah had a heart to see the walls of Jerusalem and the city of Jerusalem restored. Joshua, we saw, he was a leader and he wanted people to walk into the promises of God. Daniel, we saw last week, was a man of no compromise. He said, I've got a burden to say, hey, this is who God is. There's a holy people. God is raising up a holy people. And in this morning, we looked at the disciples. And tonight, we're going to look at one of those disciples called Peter. Okay, and so God is stirring something in our hearts. I don't know if you've realized over the past couple of weeks, a lot of things have been happening here on campus. Somebody died. Some people, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening. And as a Christian, you can sort of go through life and say, ah, you know, I don't really care about what's happening. I'm just going on with my life because I love Jesus and great... But there's a question you have to ask yourself is, is what? What is in God's heart? We have the saying, we say, Lord, you know, break my heart for what breaks yours. Whoa, that's a scary prayer to pray. Because immediately you are not the center of this relationship with God anymore. It's actually like, 
God becomes the center. And, and when you begin to realize like, wow, I'm here actually to serve him. I'm here to glorify him. Then suddenly you get into a new dimension with God. And I spoke at the camp, so if you want to get some more tips, come to the next AMP camp. But a lot of people come, and probably the biggest, one of the biggest questions, you know, is like, a guy comes, they've just started to date, and this guy will always ask, or the lady would ask like, can I kiss my girlfriend, you know? We love Jesus, can we like smooth to move, or can we urge to merge, you know? What, what can we do? I don't know what terms people use anymore, but, so, but you all love Jesus, you're not... You know, and so, so a lot of people then embark on a relationship, and I'm not talking about sleeping together and all that stuff, but they opt for the natural relationship with each other. And so this guy thinks like every time they're going to get together, oh, I'm just going to fray, you know, and I'm going to just like, you, we're going to smooth, you know, and that's like it. But now every time when you go to visit her, that's all you think about. And so you... What a way to start a sermon. Okay, now I've got everybody's attention, especially the people at the back there. <laughs> and so now people say, is it right or is it wrong? I just say, you decide what type of relationship do you want with that girlfriend one day. Because if you start your relationship in the natural, you're going to stay in the natural. But you can ask Yandere and Emma, they decided they're not going to kiss each other. Until they get married. Just going to ask them how much their relationship grew because they actually got to know each other. In a much deeper level. And how much more not when then one day you get married and the spirit becomes one flesh. I see a lot of Christians, they do this with God. God, as long as I have a natural relationship with you, it's fine. But they never discover a spiritual connection. That way deep cries out to deep. And we're going to talk a bit about that. But that's what Jesus spoke about. He says, come. Come to me, all who are heavy laden. Now, I used to play tennis. And this is a tennis racket and this is a tennis ball. If you're not going to focus now and this thing hits your head, you're going to get into trouble, okay? But there's a, there's a, hello, Eva. Okay, so when I used to play tennis and we used to play for for, for Western Province squad on Saturdays, and then you will play hours. You'll just hit the ball, okay? Bounce, hit, bounce the ball, hit the ball. And the idea was to center the ball in the middle of the racket. It's called the sweet spot. Because if you go like this, and you go like, and you hit like that, watch out, oh, beautiful catch, you know? Maybe I must hit it a bit higher. But you know, if, if I want to play a lob, then I go like this, you know? Catch, woo! Sorry, Tani. Okay, but, uh, you know, okay. You know, so it's, it's, a, it's amazing how little effort it is if you hit the ball in the middle of the racket. It's the sweet spot, you know. But if you hit it there against the side, it will go any place. Ooh, there goes the 30,000 camera. But so, okay, no, no, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. But so, you have no control over this thing. And so... The whole idea of this yoking with Christ is sometimes we either run too fast or we run too slow for the Lord. And so a typical guy like this, a fast runner, his name was Peter. And so Peter was this wild guy. We know the story of our Peter in the Bible. He was would cut off the ear of the soldier when they wanted to arrest Jesus. On the other time, you know, he was in the boat. Jesus comes walking on the water. He jumps out. He wants to sink, you know. Jesus at your, he doesn't want to sink, he sank, okay, but so, 
Um, and so, so he was this wild card. I love wild cards in the kingdom of God. I mean, people, they just risk it for Jesus. And so some people may say, well, I'm not like Peter, but everyone, you are passionate about something. Everyone. Just think about your favorite sport. Think about your favorite food. Think about that thing like, like you know, you boo the ref, you know, or that was the worst ever, you know. You should see parents next to the great R, you know, field. It's like the Springboks playing, you know. The other day I caught myself, now my wife Louise, she's always like very rustic, you know, quiet, and she just says, you're a pastor. <laughs> so sometimes you just need to remind because you get so excited, you know. But if we have passion, there's a lot of people that are very passionate about a lot of things. But if there's not compassion with it, you can be destructive. And so Peter was this guy that was just this character that was just running around and he was a, he was a risk. <laughs> but Jesus loved him. And so what happens in Mark chapter 3, verse 13, let's read it. And he went up on the mountain, this is Jesus, and he called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. He chose his disciples. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. They say, he appointed 12 that they might be with him. Why does God call you to be with him? Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. And then the first disciple the Bible mentions is Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. <laughs> so right at the start of the calling of the, this place of coming to follow Christ, where you get born again, you know the amazing thing is, is you have to focus and know your identity in Christ. And Simon was this loose cannon, but Peter was the rock. And so Jesus gave Peter, or Simon another, Simon Barjona, he gave him another name. And in this phase, especially if you're a young person, you need to find your identity in Christ. You cannot find your identity in the world. There's an identity crisis in the West especially. There's identity politics. There's a lot of identity nonsense. But the only way how you can find yourself is in reflection as to who God is and who he made you to be. Don't find your identity in another person. Don't find your identity in a school. Don't find your identity in university. Don't find your identity in a degree. Find your identity in what Jesus says about you. Because you cannot be called. You cannot follow God. You cannot live and work with him if you're always going to allow other people to determine who you are. Because some people are going to say nasty stuff about you. Not everybody's going to like you. And there's always going to be somebody that does something better than you. So this is what he does. He calls them to himself. And then he appoints them. He gives them authority. Calling, appointing, sending. Calling, appointing, sending. Calling, appointing, sending. That's the story of God calling people. Call him to himself. Come, if you are heavy laden, take my yoke upon you. And as you do my task, my service in this world, I'm going to give you a rest. So Peter had his identity from the word go. Jesus had to remind him, Simon, Simon, Peter, Peter. And there's a bit of Simon in all of us. 
listen later in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Because if Peter did not get this thing right, listen to what it says, after they healed, the guy got healed, everybody was like, whoa, going crazy, and, and people wanted to just like persecute them for, that, for this massive healing that happened in Acts 4, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. The people marveled because of what was happening. And then they realized, that they had been with Jesus. When last have you been with Jesus? Lots of people are pursuing great miracles, but it's not because they've been with Jesus. You're going to get the miracle, but do you want Jesus, the miracle worker? You can get your deliverance, but do you want the deliverer? You can get... Healing, but do you actually want the healer? And the Lord showed me there are some people here tonight. The Simon in you wants to run away. But he's calling specific Peters here tonight. And if at any time during this, what I'm talking tonight, you feel ready to come. Don't wait for an altar call. I want you to stand up and I want you to come to the front. But you've been kicking against the call of God on your life. And if at any time you feel this is now the time, I want you to come, come right to the front. But what are people going to think? So Peter went through this process of, you're always like, he was right there in the center of what Jesus did. When they went up onto the Mount of Transfiguration, sure, he was there. Then Jesus like glorified, he was glorified, he was like shining, there was a lot of stuff. Peter wants to get religious immediately, he says, oh no, let's build the altar. Jesus says, it's not about the altar, because Moses and Elijah were standing there, and that represented the prophets and the law. And then, and then the Father says, in the heavenlies, the second time God the Father speaks audibly, the first time was when he confirmed his son Jesus, but the, or his beloved son, and the second time was he says, hey, I want to confirm the ministry on your life. And then God the Father opens the heaven and says, this is my son, listen to him, hear his message. Peter says, like, oh, let's build something for the Lord. You know? He always wanted to do stuff, you know? always wanted to perform, always wanted to be in front of the others. And that was why he was so excited. And I want to especially talk to Afrikaner people here, everyone here in South Africa. We have a massive performance mentality. But then we burn out because we're not yoking with him. And the Lord is saying, come, find rest. Find rest with me. Find that space with me. And that rest doesn't mean to do nothing, okay? It means to come into yoking with God. And so, then Peter goes on, and you all can read the scriptures. You know, there's so many things that he did every time. You know, all the disciples were in the boat, but he's the one that steps out. Yeah, he sank, but hallelujah, he stepped out, okay? He walked on water. And how many of you are practicing that? Okay, now I don't bath a lot because you lie in your own dirt, okay? But... When you go to the sea, I just go, I said, Jesus, bring it on, you know? Just like bring it on, you know? I'll send you the picture one day. But so he was like walking on water because when Jesus called him and then the fish and there was like, he had the struggle with God. There was something inside of him that God had to break. And then at a time came, and you can go read it, where Jesus says, hey, Peter, I've prayed for you because Satan came to sift you like wheat. You're going to go through the fire. Lots of Christians don't want to go through the, through the fire. They say, fire, 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 fire. But, ooh, 
You must be careful what fire you pray for. Because <laughs> the baptism of fire is not a fire that makes you feel good. The baptism of fire means everything inside of you is sifted so that only Christ remains. Be careful to pray for fire. Pray for power, but don't pray for fire. You know, I had a pastor one day, he went up in, here in Africa and he says, he's going to find the fire. And then he came back and while he was sleeping, his bed caught fire. He got onto the next plane, came back home and he says, oh, so terrible. I said, but what did you pray for? He says, fire. I said, what happened? You know, my bed caught fire. He says, but that's what, that's what you prayed for, you know. And he couldn't understand. I said, but Lord, the Lord answered your prayer. But in any case, lots of witchcraft was involved. But So here comes this big time, you know. No people think like, what is he talking about? Fire, fire, fire. Because okay, so, we have a lot of people that do Christianese fire. But so, what happened is Peter at a stage came and this was the biggest test where he had to die. Where Jesus said to him, but okay, Peter, you're going to deny, deny me three times. Hallelujah. We're going to pray now now. So Peter was three times, I'm not going to deny you, Jesus. I'm going to be strong. Everyone else is going to run away, but not me. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be lost man standing. Be careful what vows we make. And then we know the story how the rooster crowed. Is it crowed? Crowd, crow. Kekalakeed, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what chickens do. Okay, but so he kekalakeed. And then Peter realized he denied Jesus because I'm not with him. I don't know him. And then this amazing time, at the end of Jesus' life, Peter decides he's going to go back fishing. And then in John chapter 21, they're all on the fishing boats, and Jesus is standing on the shore and he's busy barbecuing the fish. So when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him again, second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And there are different types of loves that is described, but Peter always spoke about a friendship love. While Jesus spoke about an agape love, an unconditional love. And Peter says, I cannot love you in that way. I love you like a friend. I love you emotionally. I love you romantically. I love you in the flesh. I love you in the emotions. But I cannot love you unconditionally because I've grown up in a place where everything about me says I must prove myself. Everything about me says I must yield myself. Everything about me says, hey, Jesus wanted Peter's will to surrender. And he says, Peter, but you know, let's just settle this. If I was Jesus, I would have gone like this. Peter, three. Can you count to three? One, two, three. Thirty burpees for each time you denied me. Three years in slavery for each time you denied me. And then I'll forgive you. Let's settle the scores. Jesus says, uh uh-uh. Do you love me, Peter? Because once you surrender that will, 
I'm going to show you what that love means. Because first I'm giving you that love. First I'm placing you in that position of that love. And then when you do that, I want some small group leaders, just when people come to the front, we're going to not stop for everyone, but just to come and sit with people and just pray over them. But there's a love, there's a call, and there's a call coming forth for people to surrender. And listen to this then, this call comes much deeper in, call, in Acts chapter 1 verse 6 to 8. Therefore when they come together, they ask him saying, Lord, will you, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, Peter and all these guys, and we spoke about it on the camp. So don't miss the next camp because we speak a lot about these things on the camp. But Peter and all these guys and the disciples says, yeah, yeah, but now, Jesus, you've resurrected. He's just appeared to them. He's going up into heaven. And then they say, bring the kingdom, Jesus. Let Israel come. Let it, let it happen now because the Romans are oppressing us. It's so tough out there. Just, Jesus, come now. Do it now. You've resurrected. You've proven yourself. Jesus says, it's not your time to decide. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and the word he uses there for a Holy Spirit is the dunamus power of God. It's the word dynamite. You see, we're not playing a game because if you talk about the Holy Spirit and you talk about this sweet little thing aroma, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that has come is dynamite that breaks open every yoke, every slavery, every chain over your life, over my life. And that dynamite, when it breaks forth, it... It goes beyond cultural lines. You see, so many people are worshiping a cultural Jesus. I want to be an Afrikaans Jesus. And he must be Afrikaans to me. I want, I want to be a Zulu Jesus. I want, to, I want to be a student Jesus. I want to be... And you cannot bring him down to box you in because that's what the Holy Spirit has done. He says, I will give you power to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. We all God in once, and we see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Wow. One accord, one place. And a sound came from heaven. I don't know about you, but I'm longing for that sound to come from heaven. God is waiting for you to come in one to one accord. But you have to lay down your individual, individuality, your uniqueness, my uniqueness. Because the most powerful tool God has given us as Christians is to agree with the will of God and then to agree with other people. And some of us are so afraid to go there because we want to be individuals following Jesus, and then Jesus says, no, the Holy Spirit is going to come, but when you're in one accord, and suddenly. And see, there's a lot of us that we stay away from small groups, we stay away from church, because we want to be so individualistic. And God says, I want you to yoke together with a group of other people to discover my power, to discover my life, to discover what I have for you. You see, when... When you and I come to surrender to God's ways, then He's going to start to break your heart open and He's going to 
allow you to go to places where you can connect with him that is just like way beyond your control. But see, that was Peter's problem. Peter wanted to control. Peter wanted to feel good. And so there's this moment when um, Peter comes, I want us to jump to Matthew 16, 23. He says, but you turn, and Peter said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus spoke about that thing in Peter's heart. You are an offense to me. This is now Jesus speaking to Peter, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He says, get behind me, Satan, because you are mindful of the things of me. Most Christians in this nation have been trapped because they fear the opinion of man more than what they fear God. And you'll never discover that. You'll never discover the fullness and the yoking with God until you begin to fear him. Until you begin to surrender everything. And that's what Jesus said. He says, I'm not interested in your songs. I'm not interested in your nice sermons. But if you desire to come after me, you must deny, in essence, your individuality. No, but I'm so unique. I'm so powerful. I'm so amazing. Jesus says, you must take up your cross. Follow me. You see, when you fear, the thing that you fear becomes your master. And you worship what you fear. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.